Uh, not Hebrews 12. <laughs> There's a joke there, but I'll, I'll explain to you a bit later. Um, John 21, you'll find that on page 1090. And, uh, and Dave is going to read for us from verse 15 to verse 19. <coughs> Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Thank you, David. Now we were going to have a new song, but this is before things were working. But they're not working now, so we're going to... What about 346? 346. 346. Lord Jesus, as we now turn to your word, help us to listen to your voice and help us, Lord, to obey what you're saying to us and to rejoice in it. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. We know perhaps more about Peter than any other, uh, any other of the disciples We know that he had a rich personality and that comes across time and time again that he he said things perhaps without thinking and put his foot in it just like we sometimes do, (laughs) perhaps. We open our mouth and then, oh, foot goes straight in and then we think to ourselves, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And Peter did that on a number of occasions. But also we do remember him because he, he was associated with the Lord Jesus and many important events in his life. But one thing that we do perhaps remember Peter for is his denials, his three denials. That he was a man who fervently committed himself to Jesus and yet he denied him a number of times. And he said that even if this lot, the other disciples fall away from you, I never will. But Jesus turned round to him and said that he would deny him three times. He said, very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, about three o'clock in the morning, you will disown me three times. And he did that. He did that before a servant girl. He did that when he was warming himself by a fire. And he did that in front of a high priest. Uh, 
one of the servants of the high priest. And in Matthew's gospel, it comes across very graphically. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I do not know the man. Immediately a cock crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He went outside and wept bitterly. Because he knew he had let the one that he loved most in life. And he was distraught. He was broken. He was crushed. He was feeling that perhaps there was no way back from what he'd done. Now whether he felt suicidal, we just do not know. But clearly he, he just must have felt that I've reached rock bottom, there can't be any way back. Little did Peter <coughs> realise <coughs> in that dark moment something of the grace and mercy of God and the love of God. And what we find in John 21 is that the risen Lord Jesus Christ the risen Saviour comes specifically to minister to Peter. Isn't that wonderful? He comes and searches him out because he knows what's going on inside Peter. He knows what he's thinking and feeling and how devastated he is and he comes to Peter. He comes in search of Peter. He went out of his way to come to Peter. And he came to Peter not just to restore him and to reinstate him, that in itself would be remarkable, but to prepare him for the future as a disciple. And he presents Peter with a question and a command. This passage is full of textual interesting things. Why there is a change between lambs and sheep <coughs> Excuse me. The word love, apparently, uh, in the Greek, there's a, a number of different meanings. But we won't trouble ourselves with these things this morning. We won't. We won't be bothered with them, no. Let's look at this remarkable incident in which the risen Christ comes to a disciple who had failed him. First of all, let's have a look at the question. He addresses Peter as Simon, son of, Jonas, son of John, not as Peter. He had failed to stand up and be Peter the Rock. He comes to Simon in all his humanity, his fallenness, and he ministers to him. And the one thing that Jesus wanted to know about this man, Peter, who he addresses now as Simon, is, do you love me? 
What Jesus was wanting to work out was, <coughs> Peter, what is your true, authentic relationship to me? What is it? Do you love me more than these, Jesus said? Probably the other disciples. Because Peter's boast was, even if they all fall away from you, I never will. And then Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says a number of times, do you truly love me? Three times. Why three? Perhaps because of the three denials. Maybe Jesus was wanting him to really think of the answer. Think of the question that Jesus was asking him. So he asked him in three slightly different ways. And that question is what Jesus is asking you and me this morning. Do you love me? Because it's possible, isn't it, to have lots of knowledge. I I wish I had far more knowledge of the Bible and doctrine. But the important thing is, and the vital thing, is do we love Jesus? And that was the one thing that Jesus was wanting to know about Peter. Not whether he was loyal or obedient or committed, but did he love him? I'm going to stick my neck out here. We used to worship in a church unlike this. It wasn't an evangelical church. But we saw there were people there who loved Jesus. And that's the important thing. Jesus then went on to address Peter not only with a question but with a command. He said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. So here Jesus is commissioning him. Isn't that wonderful? He's not only forgiven him, he's saying to Peter, I've got a job for you to do. I've got a vital job for you to do. And he's been called to something that's utterly amazing. So Jesus, in a sense, is saying to him, if you love me, (coughs) then demonstrate your love in in being prepared to do my work. We all know it's easy to say to someone, I love you, isn't it? It's dead easy. (coughs) Um, But uh, building that up and reinforcing that with action is something more, something different. And so Jesus turns to Peter and he calls him. And in doing so, he mentions two things. He mentions service and sacrifice. He says to, to, Jesus, to, uh, to Peter, um, I want you to be a shepherd. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to do what I want to do for them, in other words. I want you to be a shepherd to my sheep. Isn't that wonderful? He gives Peter a specific job to do. And this is wonderful, isn't it? 
that here's Peter, who's this ordinary human being, who's failed Jesus awfully. And, and, and Jesus is saying to him, I've got a job for you to do. In fact, I want you to do my job. I, I in a sense, can't do it. I want you to feed my sheep, feed my lambs. So it was a service that Peter was called to. But also, it was a sacrifice. Because we hear that, we see here, that it says in verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Love brought Peter across. He was in fact (coughs) crucified upside down under Nero in Rome round about 30 AD. And it is said that he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus, my Saviour, was crucified. So he was crucified upside down. So love always involves a sacrifice. And Peter paid the ultimate sacrifice. He gave himself utterly, totally, completely to Jesus. So the road of discipleship is the road of the cross that Jesus made clear to all of the disciples. I've nearly finished. I want to sort of say two more things. This passage might say lots and lots and lots of different things to each and every one of us. It would be good afterwards maybe to sort of say perhaps what it's meant to you. But there's just two things and I'll finish. First of all, what I found from this passage is this, that failure is never final with Jesus. Failure is never final with Jesus. Or in other words, to put it in a different way, we can never exaggerate God's love and grace. We can't do it. We can never do it. So even though he had failed Jesus terribly and awfully, um, it wasn't final. It wasn't final as far as Jesus was concerned. Because he not only forgave him, he, he not only reinstated him, he did so much more for him. Like the old hymn says, ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. Absolutely everything. And connected with this <clears throat> is a thought, I think is true, that in, this, in the Christian life we struggle with spiritual <clears throat> failure. Spiritual failure, in a sense, is inbuilt into Christian living. Because we're ordinary sinful human beings, we struggle against the flesh and the blood, we struggle against the world, and and as Paul describes, often there is a struggle going on inside of us, an inner battle going on inside us. And so there is a spiritual battle and we're faced with having to face spiritual failure. But Paul says, after he mentioned this battle that was going on inside him, he said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. 
he says before that, who will deliver me? <clears throat> who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? Then in the next verse, in chapter 7, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. So there is hope. Though we struggle and are faced day by day with spiritual, the prospect of spiritual failure, the message of this passage is that God's grace and mercy is sufficient for us and will bring us through. The other thought was, I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> is that God, Jesus, uses very ordinary, imperfect people to do his work. Isn't that amazing? Because the world outside, the world outside says, <clears throat> you come in, sit down, are you qualified? Are you qualified to do this work? What's your paper qualifications? What experience have you had? And all the rest of it. But as far as Jesus is concerned, he doesn't ask those questions because he knows that we're not qualified. We'll never be qualified. But despite that, he chooses very ordinary, imperfect human beings to do his work. It's utterly amazing, isn't it? Utterly amazing. Finally, in this passage, Jesus just turns around to Peter and says what he said earlier on to all the disciples follow me follow me Peter was already a follower but Jesus was saying to him in a sense keep on following keep on following it was a renewed call to discipleship a renewed call to discipleship Okay, Peter, you're a follower, but I want you now to continue following me and discovering what discipleship is all about. So the risen Lord Jesus Christ comes to you and to me this morning and he just says, follow me. Follow me. So may God give us the grace and the faith to just do that and to follow him and to continue to follow him, whatever the cost. Before we have a time of open prayer, <clears throat> let us, <clears throat> let us to be a pillar of the church, a great leader, a real man of God. And he wrote, as we know, the first Peter and second Peter, which we find in the Bible. And here in these lovely verses in 1 Peter chapter, uh, verse 18 to 21, <clears throat> what Peter does is he tells us something about this wonderful redemption, this glorious salvation to which we have been called into. And very quickly, in these lovely verses, he tells us a number of things about redemption. He tells us, first of all, in verse 18, chapter 1, that it's an accomplished fact. He says, you were redeemed. You were redeemed. That's an actual fact. And then he goes on to say the need for redemption. He says that you were saved from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. 
In other words, these people were worshipping idols. And people today, as we know, worship idols. As soon as we we turn the television on, we can see it. What the cross does is that it, it, it saves people from that sort of worship. And in verse 18 and 19, and this is perhaps the the most important thing we need to remember as we come to communion. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. This is it. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's what we've been redeemed by. Not by corruptible things, but by the incorruptible blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ. And the purpose of all this is found in verse 22, is that we might live for him. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart. And this is what the love of Christ does, isn't it? It puts love within us. Love for people that we might not, we find quite difficult with at times. But he puts love within us. And that's the purpose. The purpose of it all is that we not only belong to him, but we share his love with other people. So let us come to our communion hymn now then, and that's 772, with all my heart. 772. Jesus gathered his disciples together just a few days perhaps before the cross. And Judas was there, and Peter was there. And Jesus, and this is what we read, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Peter and Judas were there and Jesus still loved them still loved them despite what he knew they would do let us pray loving Lord, merciful Saviour we bow before you now to praise and adore you for such amazing love such mercy, such grace for dying in our place such a cruel death in order that we may be free from the power, the penalty of sin. For your perfect body was broken and your precious blood was shed for each and every one of us, bringing us life here on earth and the, the prospect, the glorious prospect of being with you forever in glory. Help us always to be grateful truly grateful for such a sacrifice and determined 
with your help to live for you and to serve you to the end. We ask this in the Saviour's precious name. Amen. We seem to have...